Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. The following podcast comes from a live stream I did recently. Many of you have requested that I make my live streams available as audio so you can listen to them on the go. So I am now republishing some of my most popular live streams as podcasts to make that possible. I share a boatload of valuable tips, tools, methods, and processes on my live streams, and I want to make sure that you don't miss a thing. Now, you may hear me make references to slide visuals, which you obviously can't see on a podcast, or to live stream viewers' comments and questions. But that just comes with the territory and generally won't detract from the value of the content, I assure you. And as always, if you like this episode, please take a moment to provide a star rating or review on your favorite podcast listening platform, or better yet, share the episode on social or with a friend or a colleague. And with that, let's jump into the episode. Hey, everybody. I hope you guys are great. And I wanted to talk about imposter syndrome today. It's a topic that's kind of near and dear to my heart. I have felt this before in my career, and I'm going to share a little bit about that. Imposter syndrome is a very sneaky mental state that affects a whole lot of people. And I'm going to be sharing a little bit about the kind of level of people that it affects. But what imposter syndrome is, essentially, you feel like you're a fake. You feel like you're a fraud. Somehow you are going to be found out and that people are going to suddenly call you out for not knowing what you're doing or not knowing what you're talking about. And sometimes people who have imposter syndrome, they vacillate between a level of egomania or thinking they're fantastic and a level of feeling like they're a fraud. And I'm going to talk some about that later, kind of the roots of where some of the imposter syndrome can come from. But the people that affects are super broad. It doesn't have to be people who are super junior, who actually may not know exactly what they're talking about, or people who are super senior. But there there are no boundaries for who imposter syndrome affects. It can affect people who are, you know, in high school, people who are right out of college. And I've worked with some very senior chief creative officers, CEOs, presidents, vice presidents of companies, who are incredibly accomplished. I even have heard from one of my coaching clients that presidential cabinet member suffered deeply from imposter syndrome. I knew a venture capitalist who was in control of $2 billion, and he was deeply affected by imposter syndrome. So there are no boundaries of who can get hit with this. And the thing is that it doesn't matter how accomplished you are as to how you feel about yourself. And why it's really important to battle and to conquer and to address imposter syndrome is that it can be really paralyzing. By letting imposter syndrome get the best of you, you can be inhibited. Your growth can be inhibited. Your progress can be inhibited. Your advancement in your career can be inhibited. And also, when you let it get a hold of you and let it start controlling you, It's self-perpetuating, meaning that as you act in response to imposter syndrome and limit yourself or find and develop limiting beliefs in yourself, that's a self-perpetuating cycle that goes over and over. 
And the other thing is, and this is something that, that no one really talks about that much, which is that imposter syndrome is also infectious. Meaning if you're a parent or say you're a leader or a manager of people, if you exhibit and act on imposter syndrome, it can affect the people who you interact with. It can affect your children. It can affect your friends. It can affect your family because that kind of a mental state, that kind of a mindset is very infectious in the fact that it will project out and sometimes manifest itself in other people who are in constant close contact with you. Just like any kind of parent, their behaviors are passed down to their kids. Same thing. So it's really important that you address it, recognize it, and address it and call it out and make moves on it if you do. So let's talk a little bit about how imposter syndrome manifests itself in your behavior. People who have imposter syndrome feel unworthy. They may kind of engage in a lot of negative self-talk that I can't, I'm not, I'm unable to. And so it's good to practice verbally saying, I am capable, I know this, I can do this, rather than in the negative of reflecting on yourself in the negative rather than the positive. Also, people who are infected by imposter syndrome is that they are hesitant and unable to try new things. And I went live on YouTube yesterday about how to address fiber, how to combat and how to deal with the pricing pressure of fiber and some of the design platforms that are having a negative effect on our industry. And one of the things I talked about was how you need to up-level your skills beyond just your basic creative skills but adding on some level of skill or deliverable or capability that will take you above just a design commodity delivery mouse pusher person. So imposter syndrome may, to creatives, make it harder for them to take that next step, to up-level their skill set, to learn something new. The other thing I wanted to say about creative professionals in particular is that we Creative professionals are very, very sensitive people, and we take things very personally. We are artistically inclined. We are very, I always get this wrong, right-brained focused. And imposter syndrome is also, I think, affects and infects creative professionals to a greater extent than maybe even the general population. So it's even more important that we pay attention to that and are really conscious of it. Another way that imposter syndrome can manifest itself in your life is through a lack of ambition, a lack of wanting to learn. Another way is procrastination, and a lack of ambition and procrastination sometimes go very closely in hand, putting off an important thing to do or a series of important things to do or projects. Procrastination is is also one of those things that goes hand in hand with perfectionism. Perfectionism goes hand in hand with imposter syndrome. People who have imposter syndrome sometimes have incredibly high expectations of themselves. And if they don't perform to those expectations, they go right to black and white. They go right to I'm worthless. And it can manifest itself in not doing things that you need to do. So procrastinating, putting off, not performing. Another way that it manifests itself is that it makes you feel undeserving of success. Even when you experience success, you may feel like your success is due to luck. 
rather than your hard work and your capability. So if you think about the successes that you've had and you think about the reason why you had those successes, if you're feeling like you just got lucky or you know, was in the cards or something happened that it just fell your way, that's the sort of thinking that can lead to a deeper level of imposter syndrome. You really want to make sure that you're owning the successes that you have and internalizing those and using those to create a sense of self-worth. Another way that imposter syndrome can manifest itself is in not having an opinion or not voicing your opinion, not feeling like your opinion is of value. That's another reason why I advocate a lot for creating content, not only for its marketing purposes for creative professionals, but also for buoying and creating a sense of self and the necessity of developing an opinion and voicing that opinion out in the world is a way to create that sense of self, create that foundation of belief in yourself. And so having an opinion and voicing those opinions, taking a stand is important when it comes to developing that foundation of self-belief. And the last way that I'll mention anyway that imposter syndrome comes to life is turning down opportunities. And that is turning your nose up at opportunities for promotion or for growth or for exposure or for more money, maybe getting asked to speak somewhere or being invited on a podcast or on YouTube or something like that, or being asked to guest post on something or contribute to an event in some sort of way. People of imposter syndrome sometimes feel like they're not capable of that or they aren't worthy enough to do that. So they will pass on opportunities that are given to them. A lot of dealing with imposter syndrome is a mindset change. And today I'm going to talk about 10 different ways that you can combat imposter syndrome. And I'm going to get to those, but I want to talk just a little bit about kind of some mindset shifts to think about if you are experiencing imposter syndrome in any way. One of them is people say, I'm afraid to fail. What if I fail? What if I fall on my face? What if I make a fool of myself? One of the techniques that I use, and I've used this with financial stuff in my life, but I've also used it with a sense of imposter syndrome, is you have to think your fear all the way through to the very end. Meaning, sometimes we develop fears that are amorphous. They're not defined. They're just this overshadowing dark cloud of dread. And if you give your fear a name and actually take it to really visualize it, visualize what would happen if that thing happened that you're afraid of. For instance, let's say you were asked to give a presentation at work and you gave the presentation and you failed horribly. You might get written up. You might have a bad performance review. You might not get that raise or that bonus that year. You still have your job. You still, you're getting a paycheck, but you may feel when you're asked to do that presentation or when you fail at it, that you're going to die. You're going to end up homeless on the street. That's where we go. We go right to the end. But if you really think through the true ramifications of anything that you might fail at, you'll realize that sometimes that failure isn't as deep and dark as you think it is. For instance, if you say, I failed at that presentation, I'm going to end up homeless on the street. I'll lose my job. I'll end up homeless on the street. When you think about being end up homeless on the street, 
even taking that and backing it up to say, okay, I failed at the presentation. Maybe I lost my job. I could find a new job. All right. So I didn't find a new job in six months and I couldn't pay my rent. So I got thrown out of my apartment. What would happen then? I could move back into my parents' house. I could move in with a friend and sleep on a couch for a while. And then I'd find a new job. What if I didn't find a new job and my friends got tired of me? I could move in with another friend. I could move in with my family. I could move in with an aunt or an uncle. I have a support system. There's a lot of steps that happen between losing your job and ending up homeless on the street. So thinking through logically to the end, any kind of fear that you have is a great way of limiting that fear because you will find out that it's not so bad. You're not going to end up homeless on the street. Another mindset shift you might want to think about is taking smart risks. The way you build confidence is to take risks. And when you take risks, yes, there's a chance of failure. But if you take smart risks, those failures are very, very tiny and they they don't end up with you homeless on the street. They might end up with you not getting the attention that you want, or maybe a negative comment or two in a feed or something minor. And so taking smart risks and doing those things regularly will be like bricks. They will build on your confidence until you have this level, this foundation of self-belief that helps you deal with true rejection when it comes around. Another thing that you can do is nurture your opinions. So as you go about your lives, as you read things on the internet, as you take in news and trends in in your profession, establish opinions about those things. Do you agree? Do you not agree? Would you approach it in a different way? Do you know a different way that might be a, a better, more successful way to approach it? Nurture those opinions and then voice those opinions. Put those opinions out into the world in some way. It might be just as simple as a phone call to a professional colleague. It might be on a blog post. It might be even in the comment of somebody else's blog post. It can be very simple, but start forming an opinion and voicing that opinion. Another thing you want to keep in mind is that a lot fewer people are watching you than you think. And this was one of my huge fears when I left my big, high paying corporate job. I thought everyone was watching me. I thought if I go out on social media and post blog posts or write or start my own agency or start a YouTube channel or put a newsletter out there, all of my colleagues are going to see it and they're going to see that I'm a failure. They're going to say that my point of view is wrong. And I just felt like all eyes were on me. Everyone was paying deep attention to me. And really, when it came down to it, I realized that was a very self-centered way of thinking about it. People are not paying as much attention to you as you think they are. And the more you think about that and the more you understand that people have a lot going on, there's 10 zillion things that are commanding our attention every day. You are not the top of everybody's list. So chances are when you take a stand or take a risk and do something, even if you fail, no one's really going to notice. That's the great thing about it. And then in doing that over and over, you build that level of confidence. Another mindset shift that I would recommend is, and this is something that I was told by a mentor and manager of mine early on in my career was that, and I think this is a great phrase, is that 
don't ever ask for permission. Do what you think is right and ask for forgiveness later. Because taking the initiative and just doing what you think is right establishes that groundwork, that layer of bricks as your foundation. If you wait for permission, if you wait for someone to tell you it's okay to do something, tell you it's okay to post something or take a risk or try something new, it's not going to come because people aren't paying that close attention to what you're doing. You want to do what you think is right. And then if you get some flack for it, then you ask for permission later. Chances are 85%, you're not going to catch flack for it. What you're going to be is congratulated for taking that initiative. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top-tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit BYOL.me forward slash Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's BYOL.me forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. Okay, so here's another one. The reason why some people don't start is because they think everyone's watching them and they think that they will fail spectacularly in a gigantically public fashion if they do anything. And when you just start off presenting any kind of content, chances are you have a very small audience. Now, in the example that I just gave about myself, I'd had a 25 plus year career as a creative executive. I left a giant position as a vice president of one of the most famous companies in the world, managing one of the biggest, if not the biggest food brand in the world, making a quarter million dollars a year, plus bonuses, stock options, stuff like that had a really nice reputation. I thought everyone was watching me. So I thought when I came out and went out on my own, everyone was going to be scrutinizing everything I did. The fact was that even though I had that high profile gig and I'd had a long career, when it came down to my being on my own and putting my voice out there, I didn't really have a lot of followers. I didn't have a lot of people hanging on my every word. I had no audience. When I started my YouTube channel, I had like a dozen people who were subscribed. When I started my first blog, my first newsletter, I had 75 people on my email list, mostly friends and family. And so when I was cutting my teeth and developing content, I was taking chances and I was putting myself out there where I was starting and I could make mistakes, fail, do stupid stuff. And no one was paying attention to me because I didn't really have a big audience. And as I did more and more and more and got more and more confident, my audience grew, but also my confidence in what I was doing and that I had an opinion and how I was doing what I was doing. Here's another mindset thing that I want you to keep in mind. And that is, this is something, it's like the fear factor. It's like the dark cloud of I'm going to end up homeless on the street. It's like that same thing. And that is people feel like there's some sort of police. There's some kind of behavior police. There's some sort of design police that if I do this thing is outside of the normal way of doing things that I'm going to get caught. I'm going to get put in design jail. I'm going to get put in career jail. There are no police. No one is going to come after you. If anything, people are just going to ignore it, right? 
or they're just going to go, oh, that was lame. And then they're moving on to the next thing. No one's going to come after you and put you in jail. There are no design police. You can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. Obviously, within reason, obviously, you don't want to hurt anybody or be a troll, but have an opinion. Get out there and do something. And more than anything, adopt a growth mindset. If you have or sense that you have imposter syndrome, start thinking of it in terms of building a foundation. You want to build a solid concrete brick foundation, brick by brick, underneath yourself to build your confidence. And you do it through doing the next 10 things that I'm going to talk to you about. You guys ready for 10 things that you can use to combat imposter syndrome? All right. Number one, imposter syndrome is not a fact. Imposter syndrome is a mindset. Imposter syndrome is a psychological trap. And you have to recognize that it is a feeling and not a fact. And if you can, through your action in growing, trying, experimenting, taking smart risks, if you can build small successes, a couple failures, small successes, one on top of each other, that becomes fact. And the feeling will dissipate the more things that you put out there that build. Number two, don't feel superior. Like I said at the very beginning, there is an aspect of imposter syndrome that is based in hubris. There is a big part of imposter syndrome that is based in conceit, or they say that imposter syndrome in some cases could be unrealized feelings of superiority. So you may think gigantic expectations of yourself have perfectionistic beliefs in what you are or can do. And then if you don't perform those things, you feel like a failure before you've ever even done anything, or maybe in spite of what you've done. And so if you try to stay humble and try to maintain your or contain your feelings of superiority to people, that can make dealing with imposter syndrome better actually might even keep it from really manifesting itself or getting its claws into you. Number three is to let it out, talk about it, write about it. There's a saying that says you're only as sick as your secrets. You know, this goes for any kind of psychology, depression, talk therapy. The more you shine a light on that syndrome, the imposter syndrome, by sharing it with other people, by being honest and transparent about what's going on in your head, it will keep those thoughts from festering, from solidifying. Those secrets of inferiority in your head are poison. And the more that you get them out, the more, number one, you put your feelings out there to a mirror, to someone that you trust, a coworker, a colleague, a mentor, a teacher, an ex-manager, friend. I try to stay away from family members because family members, you have too much baggage with family members, no matter what kind of relationship you have. And get a mirror on what it is that you're thinking about yourself. Because a lot of times, you, what's going to be reflected back to you is not what you are thinking inside of your head. So journal, write about it, get it out, share it. People love honesty. People love transparency. And it's very therapeutic, and it has a way of taking the claws out of feeling like an imposter. 
takes the teeth out of that bite of that psychological torment by freeing it and putting it out there and processing it through sharing it with another person. You want to make sure that you, and this is number four, you want to make sure that you are defining your own success. And you guys have heard me talk about this a lot. You don't want to compare yourself to others. You want to compare yourself to who you were yesterday. You don't want to compare yourself to others. You want to compare yourself to who you were yesterday. If you strive to make yourself 1% better every day, in 100 days, you're 100% better. You only have to think about this in terms of bricks, small increments. And you don't have to put out in front of yourself this Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, a completely unattainable billionaire perfection picture. Put out there, what is the next step? What is the next right step for you to take? How do you make yourself that 1% better? How do you learn that thing that's going to get you to that next level or even move you toward that next level? Number five, define your own success. And as I said before, it's not about you. Imposter syndrome can be very self-centered. It's a self-centered, by definition, a self-centered thought. One of the best ways to combat imposter syndrome is to make it about other people. Making your mission about helping other people, that is the way to get outside of yourself. And that is the one of the ways that I did it, was that I started producing content, a newsletter, a YouTube channel, eventually a podcast, mastermind groups, teaching others, coaching others, trying to help others, and also my clients, trying to help my clients through branding and strategy and consulting. I made it about other people. And so everything I did was in service of other people. Still, everything I do is in service of other people. And by making it not about me and about giving value to others, it allowed me to open those gates of giving, of content, of opinion, of help, and made it not about me. So if you make it not about you, and you make it about giving value to others and focus intently on what value you are providing to others, then your reflection, negative reflection on yourself gets minimized. The next one is, this is number six, being vulnerable. Being vulnerable makes you stronger. I know that doesn't really make much sense, but again, taking smart risks and taking chances give you the opportunity to have successes and build on them and become stronger and create levels of confidence for yourself. It also, by being vulnerable and taking those chances, it humanizes you. This is the other thing that you need to think about when you're feeling like an imposter and you might backslide, you might have challenges, you might fail at something periodically. And that is that when those failures happen, when those shortcomings happen, if anybody is noticing it, if anyone recognizes it, it humanizes you. It makes you a person. And people want to do business with people. They don't want to do business with perfection. The other thing that I've found is that when people fail or stumble or try something and it doesn't work, it actually endears people to you. Meaning they want people want to see other people succeed. People don't naturally in their core want to see people fail. And so when people do fail, we generally want to build them up. We want to give them support. We want to say attaboy. We want to be proud of them for trying. So even when you fail, you may find that you find more support 
in that failure than you do criticism. So being vulnerable can actually make you stronger that way. All right. Number seven, collect testimonials. This one I also did from the very beginning, which is that at the very beginning of my YouTube channel, whenever I would get like a really nice positive comment that was thoughtful, that wasn't like nice video, but I would actually just take a screenshot and I threw them in a folder. And as I went about my agency business, as I collected testimonials for my agency business, so I can post them on my website, making an effort to collect testimonials or get feedback from your clients, from your customers, from your coworkers, from partners that you work with and collecting those, those are really handy when things get, may get dark or you may hit a, a roadblock or run into a wall and have a frustration just to look back on some of those testimonials. Even asking for people to give you references or recommendations on LinkedIn can be helpful that way. If you're really down, look through your LinkedIn recommendations and it'll remind you of the fact that you've helped some people, you've done some good work in your life. So being mindful of collecting those testimonials as you go through your life is kind of an insurance policy and a way of collecting self kind of affirmations. Number eight is don't compare. And this was in the mindset thing a little bit as well. Don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Focus on how far you've come. Focus on how far you've come because that will create the fuel that you need to push farther, to move quicker, to, to put the gas in your tank and develop that level of ambition that if you have imposter syndrome, you might be lacking. So not comparing yourself to people that are 10 levels above you. Pick someone who's just like that next rung above you. And this is another reason why a lot of times when I'm talking to people about starting to develop content and they say, oh, you know, I'm just out of college and I, I don't know anything yet, or I'm only 25 and I've been a junior designer for a couple of years and I don't have any, I don't have anything that I can share with anybody that they value. I call BS on that because there is always somebody who is one step behind you who needs to hear what you just learned. And so I focus on people who are just a step in front of me. And I focus on being inspired by them and getting to that next level. So don't compare. And this is one of the ones that I totally love. And I really wholeheartedly believe this. And this is because I've done so much coaching with very senior people in corporate life. Number nine is that no one else knows what they're doing either. So when you feel like, you know, you're kind of lost, you're, you know, wandering around the woods and you don't really know where the trail is to pick up or you're feeling a little less than, or a little self-doubt. Like I said, there was a cabinet member of a president that I came into contact recently who was saying that they had like serious imposter syndrome. How does that happen? It's not based in reality. Almost anyone, there are people who are CEOs, CFOs, very senior positions. They're like doing the puppet show, right? They're holding the marionette strings on their own careers. A lot of times, everyone is just trying to figure it out. Everyone's trying to get to the next level. So don't feel like you're the only one who is struggling with this. All of us are trying to figure it out. And so there's a sense of community in that. If you remember that and remind yourself of that and say that, it's like, it, to a certain extent, it's like you've heard the thing about people who are afraid of public speaking. You get up on stage and if you imagine the audience naked, 
it takes the power away from the audience and you feel like they're less intimidating if they were all naked. It's the same thing. You just have to remember that no one else knows what they're doing either. And finally, number 10, you aren't finished yet. You are a work in progress. As long as you internalize and believe that you're never baked, you are always in a process of becoming. You are always flowering. You are always growing. You never stop growing. I tell myself all the time, I, I want to learn until the day that I'm in hospice, right? I mean, I want to be learning new stuff up until the end. Because I really love learning. I love taking myself to the next level. I love being ambitious. I love sharing and giving value to other people. And I am never finished. I have more things on my to-do list than I did if I put them all together 25 years in corporate and agency life. Because I have a lot I want to accomplish. I have a lot I want to do. And it doesn't give me any time for that negative self-reflection. I am always thinking about what I want to learn what I want to do next, how I want to get to the next level, who can I help with what I do. You're not finished. And any fallback that you have, any failure you have, any wall you hit, any challenge you meet, that is just a step. Because as you go along this path, you're going to have a lot of successes and you're going to have some stumbles. It just happens. But you're going to keep moving forward. So if you've been struggling with imposter syndrome, I highly recommend that you think about that. You think about the fact that you're not baked. You're not done. You are in the process of becoming. Okay, so that's it about imposter syndrome. Thank you, guys. I hope you have a fantastic day. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.